everyone, and welcome to another episode of Space Flicks, the podcast where we review a movie and decide if it's worth the cost of beaming out to a lonely astronaut in space. Uh, very, very appropriate uh, theme for tonight, because tonight we're going to be talking about The Vast of Night Yes. Uh, on Amazon Prime, Amazon Prime Video. Uh, when did this come out? Do you know? Just like last week? I believe Amazon released it on like uh, a few weeks ago. Like I, I, the date that is sticking in my head is May 15th. Oh, okay. So it's been a couple weeks or a month just about. Yep. But relatively... Nope, I see it. May 29th. I see it on the poster. Okay. May 29th. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is from writer, director, Andrew Patterson. Yep. I believe it's uh, his first feature film, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, and and it's starring Sierra McCormick and Jake Horowitz. These are all names I'm not familiar with. Yeah. Um, my understanding is uh, Sierra McCormick was in a movie, Ramona and Beezus. Um, and Jake Horowitz is a theater actor from New York. And right. Andrew Patterson, the writer-director, um, is, uh, I think he largely did commercials in Oklahoma. Um, okay. And uh, including, I believe he did some promotional work for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, and so... Okay. Uh, uh, educate an ignoramus like me. What is the Oklahoma City Thunder? What, what sport is that? It's an NBA basket. It's a basketball team in the okay. NBA. And... Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think this is very much an under the radar uh, kind of kind of film. Uh, and just a little bit of research that I did on this is that um, Patterson funded this entirely out of his own pocket. So yeah. he, he uh, put up the budget for the entire movie, and they made it for less than a million bucks. Well, that that sounds right to me, only because if you're a director who's just directed some commercials for an NBA team in Oklahoma, I wouldn't think you would necessarily have, you know, a lot of studios throwing money at you to make a, a feature film. Right. Especially a, a sci-fi uh, feature film. So that's good for him. Yeah, it's for a, sure. It's a great, great uh, example of, you know, I mean, a million dollars is obviously still a lot of money, but... Um, the the fact that in this day and age as an individual you can basically you know get your own passion project made and actually go somewhere with it so i think that's really cool yeah um all right do you want to read the synopsis do you have it in front of you uh yep in the twilight of the 1950s on one fateful night in new mexico young switchboard operator Faye and charismatic radio dj everett uh, discover a strange audio frequency that could change their small town and the future forever. <laughs> there you have it, the vast of night. So, okay, let's talk about um, let's talk about expectations and first impressions. So, um, Andrew Patterson, we just uh, just discussed. This is his first feature film. Obviously, neither of us had heard of him unless you'd actually been following uh, the person who made. TV commercials for the Oklahoma Thunder. Is that the name of the team you said? Oklahoma City Thunder, yep. Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, 
So, so given that neither of us knew who this person was, uh, what were your expectations of this film? And then how did it meet him? It's sort of, um, it, it's sort of like kind of the best kind of expectations, which is like no expectations, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, I didn't, I, I don't even think the trailer that I watched, I had the sound on, you know what I mean? Okay. I think uh-huh. it was like, I think it popped up on my phone and I was like, oh, okay, a new movie. It looks kind of cool. Like, you know, just, right. the, just the sheer visual aesthetics of it. Um, mm-hmm. The, uh, the, it, the trailer seemed interesting enough. The little quotes, testimonials that they flashed across the screen were like good enough. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, a, just a quick sort of perusal of like the IMDB and Rotten Tomatoes. I was like, seems like people like it. I like beyond yeah. that, I didn't really know anything about it. And so I had very, uh, very few expectations for this movie other than I was like, it seems like it'll be good and seems like it'll be new. Like I, like I probably haven't, there's, we haven't seen anything from this director before as far as I'm aware. Yeah. So it'll at least be, you know, new and novel. Yeah. Um, which is always nice to me. I don't know how, I don't know about you, but anytime that, especially if, you know, I'm at least aware that there's a little bit of buzz behind something but when it's like the first movie from a from a filmmaker yeah i always find that very exciting because you're just like ooh, this could be you know a new voice like a new something that i just haven't seen this style before um because whenever you see even for directors that i love when i see you know a new nolan film or a new scorsese film or something i'm excited for it but also i feel like i have a sense of what I'm going to get from that person. And so the first, the first movie from someone is always kind of a, it's a very, it's a very tantalizing, uh, prospect. So, okay. Given that you did, did have some awareness that, you know, it was getting some good reviews and you'd seen a trailer with apparently no sound. (laughs) Um, how did the movie compare, or I guess rather than saying, how did it compare to your expectations since it sounds like you, basically had none how, how did you like the movie uh the highs were higher than i expected them to be there were there were parts of this movie that i just found to be very thrilling and exciting and there were parts that i was like this feels like a first movie with a low budget you know mm-hmm. <laughs> um and so uh not not because of the production value or the quality of the filmmaking was low at any point. I actually felt generally like it was a really well-made movie, especially considering the constraints. Um, but there were just like bits where I felt like this is the type of scene or um, sort of like a lull in momentum that I feel like a more experienced filmmaker would figure out how to make more interesting or exciting or, or compelling. And, Hmm. um, and so that was the only, uh, so I felt like the peaks were even higher than I, uh, imagined they would be. And, and there were some parts where I felt like inexperience was showing, but at the same time, I didn't really begrudge it that very much because it's like, well, like it's a first movie. (laughs) Uh, Uh and so, um, so overall, uh, I would say I'm, I'm, I'm pro on this movie and uh would would be very eager to see the next thing from from this filmmaker 
Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely curious to talk more about some of those parts where you felt like the lack of experience was showing, um, but we can hold that until spoilers. Um, for me, I, I'm similar to you, you know, didn't have a lot of expectations. I might have been a little bit more optimistic. It sounds like you sort of had, you know, you were pretty neutral in terms of what you were expecting. I, I, I was I was definitely optimistic, I think, based on the reviews and I'd seen the trailer with sound, <laughs> yeah, and um, and I really liked the feel of it. Uh, it looked really promising. I would compare it actually to the trailer for Super Eight, which, uh-huh. yeah, um, you know, kind of gave me that 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 like Spielbergian, uh, you know, like ET kind of magic kind of feel. You know, yes. Um, this one, this one, a little bit more, um. Magic is maybe less the word, but but definitely the Twilight Zone, um, mystery sort of sort of feeling, and I think that paired with the really good reviews it had been getting made me expect um, something really cool. I I will say that I had actually this is kind of a this is kind of a a point in favor of the argument of don't you know don't read reviews before seeing a movie, but I had read a review or two and I actually had sort of so had the expectation that it wasn't going to have a great ending okay um so i so i um, I sort of wish i hadn't read you know like a full any full reviews of the movie um but i'd read one or two critics say you know the ending is sort of like a anticlimactic or whatever but but the movie's really stylistic and good and, and everything so i was expecting a really good um like really stylized movie um and uh and i think i think i i I liked it more than i was expecting um i I was expecting sort of mostly style not a lot of substance um and i'm not gonna necessarily say this movie has a ton of substance but but i just really liked um i feel like there was more to it than just like ooh, look look what he was able to do with the low budget you know it wasn't just like a lot of technical wizardry um I felt like it was like genuine originality, which is which is a a different thing. Like it felt like a a person with a unique um, like style, but I don't just mean like technical style. I mean like w- storytelling style, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Um, and and I really liked the characters. I really liked um just the script and the and the way scenes played out i guess um it felt really unique to me um i think without giving away like any spoilers like for example in the beginning there's really long um scene of the two main characters just walking through the town and talking yeah and and i can't remember the last scene in a movie that felt like that to me but it felt super real like just walking at night in the dark, you know, I think he's essentially like walking her home or walking her to work or something. That's right. Um, uh, but you know, they're talking about, um, they're, they're talking about like, uh, an article she read in, in like magazines. Yeah. Various um, scientific journals. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and you're getting so much of their personality from it and their dynamic with each other. And it's also just like a fun conversation to, witness i guess <laughs> yes. to sort of like feel like you're a part of um 
And so that's just like a small example of what just felt so unique and cool about this movie to me. And I and I felt like there was a lot of that, a lot of just a lot of just watching the characters do their thing and it's really compelling. And um and yeah, and I could have spent I would glad, gladly have spent more time with them than than was in this movie. I think it was only an hour and a half. So, yep. Um so yeah, I really liked it. I think um I don't necessarily I don't necessarily disagree with the sentiment that it doesn't have like a whiz bang ending. Um, but I don't think it needed to. Um, so yeah, I would say for me, I, I would, I wouldn't quite go as far as saying I loved it, but I, I really, really liked it. Yeah, it was, it's extremely promising and would make me very excited for the next thing. Like I expect bigger and better things or not even bigger, but I, I expect just improvement from this director. Sure over time just like you expect improvement from anybody who does anything repeatedly right um Mm -hmm. and so uh yeah i i agree that um i agree that the the characters in this movie especially everett and Faye, um are really really well-drawn characters and um just you know the movie does a fantastic job in the first you know 15 minutes 20 minutes just setting them up and you really feel like you understand uh, their personalities and why they like each other and why people, um, you know, turn to Everett for his expertise on various topics and how he sort of uh, finds a little bit of fulfillment in being needed as, as an expert on things. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And he's definitely a big fish, small, small pond. Totally. In this town. Yeah. And uh, just, yeah, I just found him to be a, I found Everett especially to be a really well, real sharply drawn character um, that really just makes them, especially the first, call it 30 minutes of the movie, just really makes it, makes them go Um, without, yeah. And without that character, without that script, without that performance, I just feel like this movie's much, much flatter, but I felt like um, Horowitz does a, great job uh you know being a fast talking sort of polymath who is um like extremely familiar with everyone in the town and is the most sort of technically advanced person in town and so and just sort of uses those two sort of vectors as a way of connecting with everybody right um just found it to be a really uh i don't think i've seen that character before that i can recall uh and just felt like a great way to sort of enter us into the, into this sort of kind of bizarre world yeah i was also going to say um the town as well i think the first i think the opening scenes really really give you a strong sense like a really clear sense of what this town is like mm-hmm. um yep. you know from from everybody sort of gathering around this this basketball game at the high school to um uh to you know them them walking along and sort of randomly interviewing folks um from the town to to sort of test out her new tape recorder that she got yep um you you really get a flavor of like the culture of this town um everybody's you know pretty friendly um and it's got a really like like tight-knit family kind of feel like everybody knows everybody yeah right um and everybody's looking out for everybody and uh and it's just like kind of a pleasant it's a really pleasant town 
Um, and I think, and I think that for me anyway, adds to the enjoyment of the movie is just that it makes the town seem so, uh, I mean, quaint for sure, but, um, but you know, like, like a really nice place. And, and these characters are really, are really like we talked about, like, you know, well fleshed out, engaging characters. Um, and I think that, I think that first, yeah, like you said, 30 minutes or so of the film just does a lot of heavy lifting of getting you invested in just quite, like, you know, you, you could easily, um, if you didn't know, sort of the movie, the movie tells you very clearly upfront that this is a sci-fi film because it sort of does this sort of Twilight Zone-esque intro. Yes. But if it weren't for that, the first 30 minutes, you could easily have no idea where the plot is going and still, and still, I, I feel, want to keep watching because you would just be like, well, I want to see what's going to happen, you know, with him and her. You might even think it's going to be like a, like a romantic, you know, you might yeah. think it's going to be a romance between them or something. Um, cause you know, they clearly have a good chemistry and I don't think it's super clear whether, you know, they like each other as more than just friends, but they certainly like each other, you know, at least yes. as friends. Yeah. Um, and, mean, and and so yeah, I think is, I think you would. The movie is go ahead. full of, especially in the opening third, um, it's just constant stream of dialogue, and I and I don't think that that's only just I don't think that's only to do exposition, right? I think that part. No, of most the, of it's not exposition. Right, part of the connection between these two characters is that they are able to they they find one another interesting. You know, mm-hmm. they, they yeah. ha- each of them finds that the other has um, something compelling to say. And so then it's just this torrent of communication between them because it's so nice. It's so nice to have a like minded person. Right. That you can connect with. Uh, and I think that's part of what makes it fun as a viewer to see these two. Uh, you know, they're a little bit unusual folks in this town, you would guess. Um and so right. I think the the it has sort of this dual benefit of like um, just exposing who these characters are, uh, exploring why they would like one another, and then occasionally giving you a little bit of insight into um, sort of the types of character, like the types of th- motivations that they have that helps sort of like explain some of their behaviors throughout the film. Um, yeah. Yep. So um, let's talk about uh, themes, or at least theme. Uh, do you feel like this movie has a theme? Well, I think uh, for me, the the theme that sort of sneaks up on you, and and I don't, and I didn't really see coming until um, sort of a pretty momentous phone call uh, in the middle of the movie, um, mm-hmm. is this idea that. Uh, being there's this idea of being listened to that sort of permeates the film and certainly um from a radio dj and a switchboard operator like they are quite their jobs quite literally entail listening to the phone like the inbound phone calls or inbound uh uh calls from listeners on the radio station um, and so they have a their jobs in in part are revolve around hearing what other people have to say and then taking the appropriate appropriate action. 
but then when Everett gets uh, the call from Billy that Faye patches through to him, um, one of the key pieces of Billy's story has to do with how people don't listen to him or won't listen to him um, mm-hmm. by virtue of his race, uh, by virtue of sort of the outlandishness of his story. Um, and there's something about uh, being heard and being believed that I think is a interesting sort of thread in this film um, that, that occurs, you know, a few times. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's the thing that really sort of stuck with me the, the, when I watched it, what, any particular themes that um, really stuck with you? Um, yeah, I, w- I mean, I, I didn't have a really clear uh, sense in my head of, uh, coming out of, oh, this is what the movie was trying to say. I mean, I felt like it was mostly, um, it, it felt to me primarily like just an, an effort to sort of recapture the, the mystery and awe of, you know, the Twilight Zone and, and old, old sci-fi like that. Um, but, but as far as something that did feel like it, it emerged a little bit as a theme, which I think is, is quite close to what you just said is the theme of being an outsider. Um, yeah. I think, uh, you know, like you mentioned, Billy, um, a character who has a phone call halfway through the movie, um, talks about, about not being listened to. Um, and they also have, they have another encounter with another character who, uh, similarly, I, I don't recall if she specifically talks about no one listening to her, but she's, you know, she's in a house, she's in a dark house by herself. Um, she says she doesn't go out and, um, and they have to come, you know, come see her for her to share her story. And I think just, just looking at Everett and Faye, you know, while the whole rest of the town just about is, is at this basketball game at the high school, they're two of seemingly like, you know, from the way the movie feels it's like, they're two of the only people not out that game. Right. Um, and they're, because they're, sort of outsiders you know they're they're outside of the crowd they're doing separate things she's she's operating the switchboard obviously he's running the the radio show um and and i think being an outsider emerges even a little bit more clearly as 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 maybe not a theme but but an important factor in the story um towards the end so i think those those two things sort of overlap a little bit you know the the idea of being being different from everyone else and also being someone that maybe because you're different or because you're in say like a marginalized group, um, people don't listen to you. And I I think you're right that there's, there's no, it seems like very purposeful in hindsight that the two main characters are, are, are characters who, you know, listening is, is a critical part of their job. And also that the central plot sort of conceit of the movie involves listening to a sound right right um paying close attention to to something that that is that is a sound you have to listen to and sharing it with with others and asking them to sort of listen to it as well um so i think that's a good i think that's a good you know touching on the theme i mean i still feel um like i did originally that it doesn't it doesn't feel like a movie that's um it doesn't feel, let's put it this way, it doesn't feel like a movie where the director had this message that he wanted to send and he just wrote a movie around it. Um, 
it feels more to me like a direct the director wanted to make a movie that felt like this um like a like a a really cool retro sort of sci-fi movie um and and that there's a theme in it I don't I don't view as an accident but I also don't view as like the reason the movie exists if that makes sense yeah it, it if I had to guess I mean and not like I have any special insight but if I had to guess it, it felt more like the way I've heard that David Lynch thinks about his films right where it's sort of like here's this moment or here's this emotion that I want people to have uh, and this is just a series of choices that the characters are going to make to get us to that feeling right because um, mm-hmm. there was a few moments like that in this film that just uh to me had such a specific tone and framing and um the you know the characters had such a specific uh way of att- of approaching the scene and the filmmaking was um so purposeful so intentional that it's like it just doesn't feel like uh to your point that I'm meant to walk away from this uh, with sort of a philosophical uh, argument being made. It's more like I'm meant to walk away with a series of emotions. And in that regard, I felt like the movie was very successful. Yeah. Well, let's get into, I think we go from here to best parts of the movie, which means we should give the spoiler alert. Auga. You ready to talk best parts of the movie? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so what what were the best parts of the movie, Adam? So I mean, I would say that um, the I'm inclined to almost go in chronological order. So like the opening bit where we're walking into the gymnasium and Everett is being asked to advise on a couple of audiovisual technical issues, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and just his easy familiarity with like a number of people. Who are working the high school game uh mm-hmm. the i thought quite funny subplot of him basically hiding a trombone for no reason other than <laughs> to annoy the trombone player uh-huh. um of being asked to help with some electrical issue under the bleachers that ultimately uh culminates in it being a case of kind of mistaken identity where it's like they didn't want right. to help at all uh, it yeah. just felt like a really great way to um, introduce the character by showing how he interacts with all these different sort of segments of of the group. And the th- and I actually, uh, in hindsight, it took me probably until about like I don't know a third halfway through the movie to even fully understand. I was like, oh, he is not a high school student. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, I for some reason thought he was kind of like a Max Fisher type you know uh yeah and i was like oh he's just this um you know this kid who all the other kids need to you know help help make their stuff work uh but no he's like a local dj and he's just sort of because the radio station is near to the gym he's able to sort of just like saunter by and but it also sort of explains why he's in a rush uh yeah because he's got stuff to tend to at at the radio station so i just thought that whole sequence was um just a great way to introduce the character and 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 i really uh really liked the filmmaking really liked the script so that's one of my favorite parts 
of the film. I have definitely other candidates, but I won't, I won't uh, keep going um, before you do. So what, what was one of your favorite parts? Sure. Yeah. And just real quick on his age. Um, I don't think they ever really explicitly say how old he is. Do they, does the movie say that? Not, not that I, not that I caught. Cause I mean, I, I agree it. It's sort of in the beginning. He certainly seems like he might be in the high school and then you realize that he's not, but to me, it's like he—he he sort of struck me as probably recently graduated, right? Like in the last few years. Yeah. So I—I I viewed him as like college age, probably. Yeah. yeah. But he's not going to college. Um. Uh. Okay. So best parts. So I, I think you know, uh, going in chronological order, I think I think just shortly after all of the stuff that you just described, um, you know, there is that walk walk to her um work that i talked about that i quite enjoyed of just of 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 everett and faye walking together mostly in the dark um and then but i think it's what i think is really great is actually the pretty long scene after she gets settled and she sort of takes over she she begins her shift at the as the switchboard operator and it's to me like thinking back on it it's pretty amazing um you know, she she's just sitting there. Uh, the camera, I think, is pretty much just just fixed on her for a pretty long time, like at least ten minutes, and it's just people calling it. Well, actually, what it is is she's listening to his radio program, mm-hmm. and then the audio gets interrupted, and we hear this strange sound. Yep. And then there's just multiple conversations of her, you know, getting a call from a woman who's who seems to be. Uh, in some, in you know, uh, experiencing some problem, but she can't quite tell what it is. And then she's reaching out to various um, friends or other people at the town, uh, trying to talk to them, and they're getting disconnected. And she has to keep. And it's like I found it so impressive that the that the actress uh, Sierra McCormick is just effortlessly, you know being a switchboard operator like unplugging and plugging in yeah you know cables into various jacks um i i wonder like how long they had to rehearse that or how much practice it took for her to you know for all of that to sort of make all of that seem like it was just second nature my understanding um, is she had a switchboard in her hotel room and would practice at night <laughs> yeah no i mean it's it's awesome it shows because it, it really did feel super fluid and like you know it might be the sort of thing where Maybe if I were a switchboard operator, you know, I could I could tell that it was she was faking it at times. But like, because um, you know, like as a musician, if you see someone playing guitar or the piano or something in a movie and they're not actually doing it, you're like, oh, they're not actually playing those notes. Right. But they, but they practiced enough that it looks pretty convincing. Right. Um, just like the way that she's, you can sort of tell that she's that there's a system that she's following. Yeah. In in what goes where, but like, I don't know how a, how a switchboard works. So for me, um, I don't know. I just think that scene was, was, was really, was really fascinating. And, um, but, but I'm kind of focusing too much on the switchboard. I think quite aside from that, that scene really is really effectively starts to dial up the, the suspense and the yeah. tension yeah. in the movie where, you know, people are getting disconnected. It's like nothing, overtly uh you know bad is happening but it's just making you uneasy you know from 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 the radio being up interrupted 
to people on the phone getting disconnected to that strange call. And you can sort of, you know, she is sort of getting increasingly concerned. And you as the viewer are like, what is going on? You know, to the point where, um, and I always find it pretty effective when movies do this, where um, she ends up calling a woman and asking her to go check on uh, the person she was just talking to because she got disconnected. Yes. And and just that phone call, I remember feeling, you know, this, this sense of, of anxiety like is is this call going to get disconnected yeah. you know yeah and and it doesn't um but i i always find that like really like a, a sign that a movie's kind of got you yeah. where where there's like no reason that something should go wrong but you're just waiting for it to go wrong because it's kind of got you on edge um and uh yeah so i thought that was a great scene and i think um just a real another quick note about that scene I wouldn't have necessarily put this together in my head if I hadn't heard this on a different podcast I was listening to about the movie after I finished watching it. Um, but I was listening to a podcast where uh, the guy mentioned, he was just talking about some of the bold choice, bold like editing choices in the movie. And he said, the first like 20 minutes of this movie, this this I'm talking as the guy I was listening to, he was like, I did not know what the main characters looked like because... It's just following them around. It's like mostly the cameras like behind them. Uh-huh. Um, and when you can see their faces, it's like from a distance. It's like not really showing you what they look like. And he was like, I wouldn't have been able to pick them out of a lineup. Right. And then, and then, <laughs> so it's like 20 minutes of that, of like not showing them. And then the next scene is 12 minutes of a close up <laughs> on one of their faces. Yeah. And then, and then he was like, and after that, five minutes, black screen. <laughs> um, and it was just like, just having him like walk through like th- that, those like, those crazy decisions, you know? Um, uh, and I liked all of that, by the way. I love the, I love the phone call that, that goes into a black screen as well. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think, I think those are all highlights for me. But yeah, that switchboard scene where, it sort of starts with her just sort of, you know, happily starting starting her shift and kind of gradually gets a little bit more and more troubling to, to where by the end of the call, you're, you're like legitimately concerned about what's going on. I yeah. thought that was a great scene. Yeah, and the fact that, um, I mean, I think there's something really, um, I mean, maybe it's a little on the nose, but I kind of, I quite loved it, where she is literally the person who is connecting you know, these disparate pieces of information and funneling them to the place that she believes that they need to go or really that the movie needs for them to go, which is to Everett's radio show, right? Mm -hmm. It's just really interesting to see, to watch the actress have to do the act of sort of portray that she is mentally connecting these dots, right? Mm -hmm. And then physically do the act of like, routing audio information to the various places that it needs to go there's just something very there's a that scene is doing a lot of heavy lifting to set up like what is the conflict in this movie uh what um sort of setting the tone for how like what sort of ominousness right do we expect to sort of unfold over the next hour um yeah, it's just a. I agree. It's a really compelling sequence, and um, 
it did occur to me probably, you know, halfway through it. I was like, oh, man, we I don't think we've cut in the past five minutes, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but that was not the reason that I found that scene to be so interesting. Right. You know, that's no. just... Um, I just felt like the performance uh, and ultimately like what's happening in the story was really, was really great. And just the fact that the actress was able to pull it, pull it out with like one in one shot, you know, in one, in a one -er is, is yeah. pretty impressive. Um, but I, I felt the whole, the whole sequence was, was a great, and I feel like that's sort of what I was alluding to at the beginning of the pod was like, there were scenes in this movie that I was like, this is great. Like, this yeah. is just a truly great thing that I'm seeing right now. Um, and it's pretty, it's pretty amazing that I had that feeling multiple times in the movie, which is why I'm saying like the highs were so high. Um, and that, yeah, I agree. That scene was definitely one of them. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to talk about, um, some of the some of the scenes that you mentioned where you i mean i guess you you're not describing them as lows but i think i think the the sort of you know the opposite of highs is lows places places where you felt like the movie stumbled a little bit but are there any other best parts of the movie you want to highlight before we get onto that i mean it's it's kind of crazy now that we're recounting it because i'm for me the thing where i was just like smiling ear to ear just like loving what i was seeing was this was the sequence that immediately follows the sequence where Faye is, um, you know, connecting multiple calls and ultimately connecting um, uh, to uh, ultimately trying to get in touch with Everett, uh, where the camera sort of floats mm -hmm. out of the switchboard operator room, right? Yep, and, and just then, goes clear across the town. And just takes us on a tour of the entire town at rapid speed. Like yeah. very fast. Um and goes and takes the trouble to go through a basketball game yep. in the middle. Uh and ultimately culminating in taking us all the way to WOTW, the radio station, uh, where the phone rings and Everett picks up. It's just like that whole sequence um i just found to be like breathlessly good filmmaking uh that really sort of to me emphasized this sort of feeling of a sort of weightless observer right mm -hmm. uh like overseeing the entire town uh and I just found, I just, I don't know, it, just the entire, like, the filmmaking, the visceral emotion it gave me, the way it helped the the viewer understand the geography of the town, um, and then just all the little details, especially, you know, navigating through that basketball game, going back through that gymnasium again, um, just, you know, just was magical to me. Yeah. No, that I mean that I think surely almost anybody who sees the movie that that is a moment in the movie that they're gonna remember because it it takes you very much by surprise. I remember I remember thinking in just like the very early you know the first few seconds of that shot that the camera was going to I was like oh where's it going you know <laughs> like right. is it is it gonna reveal something very you know very important. 
and it just keeps going and going and you're like where is it taking us right. <laughs> um uh, uh but 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 you know then as it as it plays out you do you know eventually understand it's taking you all the way through the town you know all the way to the radio station um and yeah i don't know i don't know if you i'm sure you had this feeling or it had this question in your head but certainly by the time it had gotten like to the high school and was going through the group of people i was definitely wondering like what did they you know what did they use for that <laughs> um i was almost wondering if it was just like somebody holding the camera like running through the town or something but it wasn't it wasn't uh it wasn't you know jumpy or anything so um I was just wondering, like, how how mechanically did they get that shot? So my understanding is they, um, it was kind of like a mini 1917, you know? Uh-huh, like uh-huh. they base. My understanding is just from a little bit of uh, interviews that I listened to and, and watched was that it began with the director, uh, Andrew Patterson, like holding the camera and just running down the street with it. But he had okay. it but he had it on like a motion stabilized rig. So you don't mm-hmm. get all the, you know, the, the vibration bouncing around. Yeah. Right. And then they mounted it to a golf cart and just like hauled ass across the town, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. Uh, and my understanding is they did do some, again, like 1917, like tricks where that, you know, they seamlessly it blended together one a shot into another one. And you don't realize, I mean, like I would guess, for example, like, as the camera exits the gymnasium through a window, right? Yeah, they've got to That's have done something there. That's one where I was like, there. that has yeah. to be, there has to be some some Hollywood trickery going on there, but, like, you would never know it. Like, it, it feels yeah. very seamless. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, my understanding is they've, they've just got it on a motion-stabilized rig, and they've got various, like, a, like, I think largely it was like a golf cart that they just drove through the town as fast as they could, Um and they, I think the ch- most challenging part was apparently they had to light it in such a way that like you never see the shadow of like the thing that they're driving. The on. thing that's holding the camera, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so apparently they had to light the entire town <laughs> to, <laughs> to like uh-huh. achieve that. Uh, and so that was. It's just. I mean, and it's funny because you don't think about any of that right like when you're right. when i was watching it i was just uh, just the feeling that i had was so uh enraptured and then later you know when you're hearing them talk about it you're like oh yeah that would be pretty tricky to do um <laughs> yeah. but it's but yeah it was sort of like in hindsight like looking back on it i was like worth it like uh just prior to recording this podcast i just pulled up that shot again and just watched it just just to watch just it just to yeah. watch that one just to yeah. watch that one bit just because of how much i enjoyed it yeah no that's a great scene okay there's there's uh, there's one more scene it's, it's it's not even really a scene it's more just a um a few shots but towards the end of the movie i just wanted to say that i also really loved and it's not really it's not really the ending, but it's just it's just a, a a way that that the sort of lead up to the ending feels, which is um, that I think it's the only part in the movie that's that sort of that's like this, which is um, it's as they're uh, it's as they've like gotten out of the the couple's car mm-hmm. and they're they're running 
and the and I like I said I might be mistaken but in my mind it's like the only part of the movie where they basically remove the sound and it's just music but it's like it's like these really high strings it's these really high dramatic sort of sort of uh desperate sounding strings yeah. playing yeah and and just their legs just running yeah and and I remember like really loving that too um the it's it's sort of you know it's sort of building to this um they're obviously you know it's like the it's like the close encounters moment it's the it's the the meeting the people from the sky sort of that that you know is coming yeah but it's filled with you know in this particular part of the movie they're they're very afraid and they're very desperate and i don't know something about just capturing like the running with with those strings playing um to me was also like 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 a like a visual audio kind of combination that's going to stick with me. Um, yeah, I would say the, the music was a real sort of pleasant surprise for me in this movie. Um, it's, it's, uh, it didn't feel like the twilight zone or the X files, you know, it didn't have that sort of, um, supernatural, uh, kind of feel to it but it had this real sort of like longing or yearning. Um, and there was the way that, for example, there's a lot of violin in the soundtrack and the way the violin is played is like extremely, um, like very much not the way that you would normally ask a violinist to play the violin. Right. Uh Uh-huh. Extremely sort of, um, like jagged kind of playing right like sort of frantic frantic yeah. right um n- like complete and uh I-, I don't know there's just something about it that is like very specific from a vision perspective and i was just so impressed by um what is probably a pretty uh you know modest number of musicians right like it, mm-hmm. there's not a ton of instruments in the score um, but I just felt like they made a ton of, uh, impact with, you know, just a few instruments. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I just remember generally feeling very impressed, you know, similarly in the, in the, in the long tracking shot that I called out, um, you know, the music, uh, really does do a fantastic job carrying you. Right. I found myself paying very close attention to the music in that sequence. Um, yeah. Because uh, in some ways, like to your point, you don't know where we are going and I'm listening to the music to give me a clue. Right. How should I feel? And yeah. um, I felt like I feel like the music does a really good job sort of helping guide you to the emotion that the movie's trying to get you to feel. And uh, as opposed to. Um, just reinforcing what you're seeing on the screen, right? I felt like the music was actually a really useful sort of Sherpa to to, to walk you through. Like, <laughs> here's how, you know, here's how you need to be feeling in this sequence. Like, you need to be feeling a little bit nervous or you need to be feeling a little bit odd or et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, just another Agreed. example of how, you know, this, just so much good stuff happening in this first film that it's like, yeah, I just definitely want to see what want more comes of next. This. Yep. Yeah, totally. 
Um, so uh, let's talk about. I mean, I guess it's I guess it's our segment called "Fix the Movie." What What are some of the parts that you were less impressed with? So, I think for me, the bits that I I just didn't respond as much to were uh, I think the phone call with Billy I was very on board with and I and I and I quite liked it I think especially because of some of the filmmaking choices like the cut to black mm-hmm. choices that were being made but in the back of my mind I was like here's a character that uh we have not met and he's just largely like telling us what's going on in this movie and uh and i found i found the choice to be a little bit puzzling um because i was like i don't know for us to believe or be awed by this sort of alien presence in our midst right or this you know this floating thing up above us um it feels a little you know to use your word from earlier like it feels a little anticlimactic for a guy on the who's calling into a radio show just to basically tell us and then similarly Mm. um i think where i really was a little bit disappointed was the follow-up conversation they have with mabel blanche the old Mm -hmm. woman who calls them and says come to my house i have a story to tell you um because that was sort of another example it's just a it's the same thing again where it's like um basically it's like corroborating billy's story with even more sort of extreme details about you know the effect that this um you know celestial presence has on some people and i just found th- those two conversations sort of being close to back to back with one another to be just a little bit um a little bit too much just telling us like here is what's happening in this supernatural film and mm-hmm. i would have i think i would rather they have kind of figured it out through observation or something else rather than just like having to sit down and let two characters just tell them everything that's going on um those were those were the parts that I was like, this is a little, uh, like I liked the filmmaking during the sequence with Billy, but I didn't like sort of the plot device as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they sort of engage with that, a very similar plot device again, uh, with, with Mabel, I, I found myself a little sort of, I found the movie losing me a little bit during that, during that part. Um, mm. and so, uh, those, those were the bits that I was a little disappointed by. Um, that being said, you know, the, I think my little bit of, you know, like the fact that I got lost a little bit here, I think in no way diminishes my enthusiasm for all the other good parts that we've already talked about. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely see what you mean. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of telling in those two conversations. Um, I don't really know why that didn't bother me, but it it. It, it didn't, although I will, I will concur that I think the conversation with Mabel, um, I actually liked it, but I think that, that compare that it, do, it is definitely a lull in the movie. Um, I would say, uh, 
I I never felt like the movie was losing me, but you know, <laughs> I sort of I sort of have just so many positive things to say about just about everything in the movie around that <laughs> scene. Mm-hmm. And then that scene is like, and then they talk to Mabel. You know, mm-hmm. it's like <laughs> nothing really cool happening in that scene, particularly. I felt. Um, but I don't know. I think I, I, I definitely see what you mean. I think I view it as a little bit, you know, probably some degree of it is is driven by constraints. Like, right. um, given the budget and everything. But also, I mean, I think this being a little bit of a throwback to, you know, like sci-fi programs that you would hear on the radio, um, you know, like like WOTW War of the Worlds, uh, little Easter egg there being the name of the radio station. I think I think there's to me what is it what is it that I liked? I think it might it might actually be that I really liked the characters. I liked the way it was written. I felt like it, the I felt like the the speeches from Billy and Mabel were written like like really good stories that are meant to be told by a single person Mm -hmm. you know almost like um like you know like at camp if someone's like let's tell ghost stories you know and there's like someone who has a really good ghost story to tell i felt like that's that's sort of how those scenes played to me they were they were really um compelling stories told by a single person and i felt like that's what the movie was tr- was meant to be giving us in yeah. those scenes. And I felt like it succeeded. And I liked how, you know, in Billy's case, especially with the fade to black, it's like all, all you get is his voice talking right now. Yeah. You know, um, that's all you need. And similarly with Mabel, it was, you know, another very long take, just, just, you know, camera is sitting on on this actress's face and she's just telling the story that's all it is um so maybe maybe i liked maybe the minimalism of of it um appealed to me whereas where where like i understand your point that it's it's sort of a lot of exposition it's a lot of just you know new character being introduced just to dump a lot of information on us right but at the same time but at the same time i liked the way that those scenes played out. Um, and, you know, and I think also just in terms of economy of storytelling, like, you know, I'm not sure, <laughs> I'm not sure how these two characters would have really learned much more about this sound, you know, like, like the, the, the tools they had at their disposal, the tools, the tool Everett had was play it on the radio station, see if anybody has any information. Right. Right. And so he gets some callers, and that's that's how they learn about it. Um, I mean, I might just lack imagination of how else they could have found out more about it, but how could they have found out that that sound was originating from aliens in the sky? I don't know. Um, yeah, I think for me, like, the Billy sequence was what I imagined was going to be kind of like the single Rosetta Stone that they're going to get, that they're going to have to yeah. use to make sense of this. And that's why I liked that, like, as it was happening, I liked that sequence quite a bit because it's like, okay, uh, they're cutting to black to really emphasize that, like, all we have is this disembodied voice, right? Mm -hmm. That is the only thing that is giving us information about this 
um, about this thing floating above us. And so, um, you know, listen very closely and let's, you know, this will be the set of clues that we receive. And then when it's like, we have another person who also has a bunch of information. It's like, wait, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that, that was, I think the Mabel sequence, uh, and nothing against that actress. And, you know, I felt like, uh, I agree that, you know, um, in the same way that the sequence with Faye, uh, on the switchboard is very compelling. Like I felt like, um, the scene, nobody's doing anything wrong in the scene with Mabel. Uh, it's yeah. more like, I just felt like except the script maybe yeah it, exactly it's like wh- why are we it just feels like too much for us to require like two 10 minute sequences of like heavy exposition ju- and just in the form of a person just telling us something they know um it just seems like the the wrong way to do it now that being said i totally yeah. agree with you it's like given the constraints of the movie and given the fact that like what I'm basically asking for is, is like, you know what would be cool is if you could just do this slower and more indirectly, uh, <laughs> that would be yeah. great. And they're like, you know what, guy? Uh, we've got X number of days to film this movie and Y amount of budget. So um, we're going to do this in the form of a person just telling us the information, okay? Because yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, what we've got. Yeah. Um, and so, again, like, uh, I, won't, I won't belabor it anymore, but... Um, but that was sort of my that was sort of my thinking, and uh, but I I totally understand the the necessity of it, right? It's like I need to get all this information out uh, to make this movie make sense, and yeah. uh, you know, without well, her it's saying funny. It, we don't get there. It's funny though. You say like we have to get all this information in. Um, this movie actually did remind me a lot of uh, Midnight Special. Okay. In yeah. that in that it really doesn't explain. I mean it explains enough, right? Like you get enough that, okay, it's aliens. Um, but there's actually a lot of details in this movie that, that aren't really explained. Um, and, and it reminded me of midnight special in that way. Like, like what is the sound? You know, they sort of indicate that they're communicating somehow. And, and Mabel talks about how the aliens like, you know, they sort of wait for everybody to be clustered together and then they come and, and they, you know, pick up the people who are sort of isolated and alone, right? right? Um, and then there's these strange words that clearly have an effect um, and the aliens seem to have a way of, like, doing some sort of mind control or something where the words seem to trigger some people who have mm-hmm. presumably been already affected by the aliens somehow Mm -hmm. but but you know unless i missed it none of that is really explained like like how any of that works um yeah it's more like it's just pure um facts right so like if you say these words sometimes the a person who has been affected by these aliens will look up at the sky right right. and it's like how does any of this work we have no idea Um, but it's just, or, or even like, yeah, or even like, why does the aliens, um, signal, you know, sort of interrupt radio signals or, you know, or phone calls, you know, um, it, it's, yeah, there's a lot of, I felt like it was, I felt like there was a lot of intentionally unexplained specifics, uh, that were in the movie. And so it's not like, 
it's not like they had to fit in um it's not like they had to fit in a, a you know a long monologue that explains all of these details i think it was probably um specifically wanting to get in like the the idea of mind control mm-hmm. right and the words the words um having having some sort of strange effect on people um that was probably the function that mabel served but i i I think i think i see where you're going you're what you're basically saying is first fix the movie is keep billy but make him the only character who has this long monologue and then what is revealed by mabel change change to you know maybe them coming across um some documents or something or like or discovering that there are words or any other any other details that the filmmaker really wanted to get in about the aliens and how they work, figure out a different way to reveal those that right. doesn't involve like, a second long monologue. Like something that I really enjoyed was, for example, they get um, uh, Billy sort of calls out that he worked with a person from the town, uh, and they're like, "Oh, he died," and gave mm-hmm. his possessions to the library and they're like oh well the library has a section of record you know audio recordings maybe one of his tapes is that you know it's like that just so they could have found out stuff from that and that was like a really i thought useful way for them to corroborate billy's story right and it's like oh yeah Mm -hmm. he's telling the truth because he can point you to a tape uh that somebody else would have and right like and so I just felt like there was probably opportunity to do that kind of thing. Just, you know, what if they found something else with the library materials that had to yeah. do with like Mabel's son or something, you know what I mean? Like, and again, I, this is nitpicky stuff. Um, but that's the sort of thing where just, like, I, I felt like them discovering that stuff using sort of like motivated character choices would have been more compelling viewing than them saying, let's go to this lady's house because she called us and so we can just have her tell us the answer. Yeah. Um, are there any other parts that you thought were indicative of a first-time filmmaker? Well, I feel like um, uh, I, I, I was a little disappointed. I don't know if disappointed is too – it's probably too strong of a word – I I was not as captivated by the conclusion of the film as yeah. other parts and it felt like um a, a pretty sort of common problem frankly so it's not sp- specific to this movie but it's it's like man we've done a really good job setting up like a vibe right yeah. and and a sort of set of potential problems for our heroes to have to deal with and we're going to conclude with just, you know, they just randomly run into the woods and uh, after sort of being spooked by the the drivers of the car um, sort of entering this sort of rapturous state hearing like this sort of uh, these chanted words. And so they run into the woods and they hear the sound, which was frankly great like i loved the moment when they could hear the sound in the woods because it's like oh yes it's happening now mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and then they just sort of uh see a little baby spaceship go up to the big mommy spaceship and 
uh, and then sort of it, it sort of it, it gets windy, and then they're gone, and it just felt like if this is what this was all culminating in, if this was all just preamble to an alien abduction, um, it just feels a little too random or something. It just feels like oh, they just happen to be, at the end of the day, they just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and get sucked up, hoovered up by aliens. Because um, I don't think there's a ton of evidence, I mean, that it's like this was all an elaborate plan by the mothership to get them to this particular place at this particular time. Uh, it felt more like no. they were sort of, bystanders and some bigger thing that was happening um yeah and so that was the piece it's like i i like for the sort of climax of a film to be motivated by like the choices that the characters have made and it just felt a little more chaotic and coincidental than that yeah um i think i think for me again sort of thinking of working with what they had um it almost feels like if the movie is gonna end with that, it's it feels it feels somewhat merciful that it was just kind of over and done with pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um you know, like they're like the way that movie ended to me was like I mean look, it's an alien abduction movie, all right? So they're so they're getting abducted right now. <laughs> like fast forward, we're, we're like movie's over, right? Um I almost wonder if if it would have been better for the movie to have like opened with, you know, their disappearance or something like the next day, just, just to sort of like set our expectations more like they're going to get abducted. So don't, right. <laughs> don't like, don't like expect this, this huge shocking twist at the end. It's, it's going exactly where you think it's going to go. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know whether it's anticlimactic or whatever i think this is definitely a movie where you know to to state the old cliche the it's more about the journey than the destination right um and so yeah it's like everything leading up to that i found to be um really cool and and very very unique and compelling for all the reasons we already said the ending itself exactly what happens to them um not exactly you know it's not exactly the first movie that's that's had characters get abducted by aliens. So, um, but, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, it, I don't really know what else I wanted. Um, you know, maybe, maybe I would have, maybe I was sort of deep down hoping for something a little bit more revelatory in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think all, but I think the premise in the movie is that this is, uh, you know, that there's there's aliens and we don't quite understand why they do it, but they abduct people sometimes, and uh, and that's what happens to our two main characters. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you. I guess I guess I'm with you that the ending wasn't super exceptional, but it's also, uh, it seems, it seems like about as good as it needed to be to me. the The rest of the movie was really what what the movie was about, and the ending was just kind of a an, an oh by the way kind of thing this is what happened to them right yeah i mean and i think that um if you frame it in the context of like a twilight zone 
episode, right? Mm-hmm. It's or or an X Files, right? It's pretty forgivable, right? A lot because a lot of those stories culminate in sort of like, and then this inexplicable thing happened, <laughs> right? Um, mm-hmm. And that's fine because it's not about giving a reason for these things. It's just about sort of uh, asserting like this, almost like this is a anthropological exercise, right? It's like this happened. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. And uh, and so I I totally I totally am pretty forgiving of of the ending of the film for that reason. I didn't I don't find it to be bad, right? It's it's yeah. it's just not as satisfying as the other parts of the movie, and because, frankly, like, the movie does a great job of setting up, uh, really high expectations because some of the parts are so excellent. Um, yeah, it's true. So I, you know, this is this should come off at at worst as a, um, as a backhanded compliment, right? Because it's like so many mm-hmm. parts of the movie are so good and so worthy of of you know considerable thought and conversation that for us to say oh there's parts of the movie that don't live up to that it's like i if i were you know if i were to meet andrew patterson i would hope that he would understand like what i'm saying is your movie was very good and the parts that weren't as good as the best parts like make me that much more excited for the next thing you do because i bet you there will be even fewer of those, you know, less well thought through parts. Yep. All right. Well, we've said quite a lot about the movie. Why don't we, uh, well, is there anything else that you want to say, I guess, before we get to beaming it up or not? No, I don't think so. I think, okay. So I think we've almost talked as long as the movie is. It's true. We have, um, which is becoming more and more common these days. I think, <laughs> I think when we when we have a deadline because we like have another movie to get to, it's like a nice, it's a nice mechanism <laughs> to keep the episodes somewhat manageable. But operating with no deadline, you could just keep talking. Yeah. That's right. Um. So anyway, would you beam this movie up? I'm 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 not sure what curve I'm grading on at this point, because um, there's so few new movies. That's true. Um, let's 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 not let's not take that into account if you can. Um, I would say no. When I think I would when I think about other movies that I've beamed up and other movies that I haven't beamed up, right? This this is a movie I quite liked and quite admired, um, but I don't. It's not in the tier of like this is a truly special uh piece of you know like thing that i will cherish it's a really promising debut and i wouldn't be surprised if this director does make something like that that i would beam up someday but this is not this is not that movie yeah i agree i i think it's very it's actually pretty close for me um I, I think, and I would agree with the way you just framed it. I think it's de- this is definitely a movie from a talent that I think has, you know, a really bright future and will make movies that are, like, among the best of the year um, in the future. I think this one is, is just a little bit below that for me. So, but still, still a great movie. Yep. Really enjoyed it. Sounds like we both did. Um and I guess that's it now. We're done. Okay. 
So uh, <laughs> thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Space Flicks. Uh, stay tuned for the next episode where we will talk about a movie. That's right. TBD. It'll definitely be a movie. Yep. This much we know. Uh, I'm Adam. I'm Dan. Thanks for listening. Bye.